that precious offering. Our children are dismissed to their class through that door over there. We are beginning a new series for the semester from 1 Peter. I want to take two Sundays to sort of set the stage of some things from Peter's life. So we'll look this morning at Peter's confident refusal to believe he's going to deny Jesus, and that's going to come from John chapter 13, beginning at verse 36. We'll spill over a little bit into John 14. So that's what we'll do this morning. Next week, we'll look at how Jesus restores Peter uh, on the beach in Galilee after the resurrection, uh, the doctrine of repentance next week. Now, I'm teaching on Paul at 9.30. I'm preaching on Peter at 10.30. If I say the wrong name, you'll bear with me. Thank you, beloved. The Word of God, John 13, beginning at verse 36. Excuse me, 31. When he, Judas, had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while and I am with you. You will seek me. And just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I've loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Now the portion of our focus this morning. Simon Peter said to Jesus, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. I rarely missed my son's baseball games in high school. But one day, the umpires did. They didn't show. Both teams were warmed up. No game. The other, the other team went home. So my son's coach said, let's have an inter-squad scrimmage. We need some live pitching. Guess who volunteered? <laughs> Yours truly. I hadn't pitched a baseball competitively for 34 years when I was in the fourth grade, from half the distance. That didn't stop me. I walked out to the mound. They threw me a glove. They threw me a ball. I stood up on the mound, and I looked at the catcher, and I thought something was drastically wrong. Why is he so far from the plate? He wasn't. My first five warm-up pitches hit the dirt in front of the plate. I was not as strong as I thought. 
I was not in the place I imagined. So I walked off the mound, about six, seven feet, stood off the mound, and did my pitching from there. Nobody jacked one over the fence. I took this crazy advantage. <laughs> I was not in the place physically I thought I was, just as often we are not in the place spiritually we think we are. This text is about places. Notice first the place Peter wants to go. Secondly, we'll see the place Peter is. Thirdly, the place Peter can't go. And fourth, the place Peter will go. It's a text about places. Number one, the place Peter wants to go. Peter wants to be with Jesus, even to the death. It must be a great place to be with Jesus no matter where. And we can't doubt for a second Peter's good intentions. He is profoundly devout and sincere. Why can't I follow you right now? Peter loves Jesus. He wants to stick with Jesus. And when Jesus, uh, when he says, I will lay my life down for you, he means it earnestly. And even though Jesus says, you can't go where I'm going right now, there's a sense in which Peter gets something of being martyred with Jesus. In Matthew's account, even if I may with, must die with you, I will not deny you. Mark's account of this, he kept insisting, even if I have to die with you. And in Luke's account, Peter says, I am ready to go both to prison and death. With, with all his heart, he's ready to give up his life for and with Jesus. Which is pretty amazing on the face of it because he has not experienced the best Jesus has to offer. Peter does not yet understand the glory of the cross. He hasn't come to comprehend the magnificent sacrifice of Jesus dying in his place on the cross. Nor has Peter yet become an eyewitness of the resurrection and been filled with the hope of everlasting life. He hasn't had that yet, nor has he experienced the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that changed his heart, that opened his eyes, that unstopped his ears, that gave him power from on high. He hasn't received any of that yet, and yet he is steadfast in his desire to die with Jesus. It makes you wonder, how did he get there? Let me speculate. He spent time with Jesus, as you can as well. He listened to Jesus, as we can as well. He witnessed Jesus' impact on the stranger, the loner, the disenfranchised, the sick, the ruined. Peter saw the way Jesus treated people, the way Jesus disdained hypocrisy. He saw Jesus embodying all the wisdom of God, his, Jesus' commitment to truth. Jesus grounded everything he taught in the Word of God 
Peter saw Jesus' unbridled affection for his father. Peter saw how Jesus exposed the futility of religion. It doesn't change the heart that formalism is empty. Peter felt the injustice and folly of Christ's accusers. He saw Jesus reversing the effects of the curse, exercising an, an otherworldly authority. In short, beloved, Peter came under his power. Or, to use Jesus' word earlier in the text, he saw something of his glory. He was captivated by Jesus' glory. He came under the glory of Jesus. And that spawned a love for Jesus that produced a loyalty leading to losing himself. A loyalty leading to losing himself. So for Peter, Jesus trumps all other personal causes. Reputation, finance, job security. (laughs) Some of you want enough of Jesus to feel good about eternity but not so much that he has complete control of your life. You have what I would call and have experienced partial location religion. Jesus, you can have me on Sunday, but not on Monday at work. You can have me at home, but not when I play. Here's how it came home to me very vividly. When I was in college, I worked at Dulles Airport in security, and one of the ticket agents for United Airlines was an older man and a Christian, and I guess he knew I was a Christian, and he knew I was interested in dating some of the girls that worked in security. And he said, Mike, when you ask that girl out, I want you to put your Bible on the front seat. This is before bucket seats, they were bench seats. I want you to put your Bible on the front seat between you and her. Did I want to do that? Enough of Jesus to feel good about myself, but not total ownership of my life. What is wrong with the presence of Jesus that I wouldn't want all of it in all of its glory? It's what's wrong with me. You have to see, beloved, that a passing interest in Jesus will be no match for strong temptations. A minimal acquaintance with Jesus will not withstand strong sufferings. Faint sight of Jesus will not endure fierce persecution. That's the first thing. The place Peter wants to go. Good intentions. Secondly, the place Peter is. Jesus takes Peter seriously, but he needs to probe his heart to reveal to Peter where truly Peter truly is. Will you lay down your life for me? Are you thinking carefully about this, Peter? Peter thinks he's in that place, but the reality is he is self-deceived. Do you see, beloved, you can be sincere about where you are with the Lord and be sincerely wrong or self-deceived. Peter is not as strong as he thinks he is. It would have been much better for Peter to say what? I am what I am by the grace of God. Uh, Who is adequate for these things? Our adequacy is in Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When I am weak, then I am strong. He would have been much more solid ground to say that. Peter's not as strong as he thinks he is. 
God is stronger than he thinks he is. One of my favorite commentators on John, D.A. Carson, wrote this at this point in the commentary. Peter's good intentions and self-confidence vastly outstrip his strength. Beloved, our strengths in veiled relief fail us because they imply we don't need God's grace. Your strengths are too weak for you. Your weaknesses are too strong for you. And so Jesus responds to Peter's self-confidence in verse 38. You will deny me three times. Now that is unmistakably clear and embarrassingly specific. Three times before the cock crows. No room for fudging or interpretation. And you know it happened exactly as Jesus predicted. Nate read it for us. Exactly as Jesus predicted. Isn't Jesus really saying to Peter, Peter, you have no ability not to deny me. But Peter doesn't see it. Why? He doesn't know the place he's really in. He thinks he's stronger than he is. We'd like to grab Peter and walk him into the book of Proverbs that exposes this self-justifying, self-deceiving propensity in our hearts. Nate read some of them earlier. Come here, Peter, 14, 12. There's a way that seems right to a man. Perfectly logical, makes perfectly good sense to me, crystal clear, but in the end it's the way to death. Our capacity humanly to deceive ourselves. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. All the ways of a man are clean in his own sight. Hey, left to me, I'm always going to give myself the benefit of the doubt, but the Lord weighs your motives. What a beautiful, wonderful, necessary thing. Lord, you look at my motives. You expose them. So what is the net effect of this self-deception? We are naively comfortable being our own interpreters of life. We hide our weaknesses from ourselves. We think we're stronger than we really are, and we don't admit how strong God is or how much we need Him. And notice Peter has no response for Jesus. No response. And let me lovingly warn you, Going to church all your life won't necessarily help you. The very provocative passage in Proverbs 5, where a man reflects, and he says this, you groan at your latter end when your flesh and your body are consumed. You're you're near death, and you're groaning. And here's the realization, how I hated instruction, my heart spurn reproof, and I've not listened to the voice of my teachers, nor inclined my ear to my instructors. I was almost in utter ruin in the midst of the assembly and congregation. Here's a person that is in earshot of the truth, but their heart wasn't receiving what the truth was supposed to do. You can go to church all your life and be in peril, perishing, if your heart isn't changed, your heart isn't opened. You stop thinking you're stronger than you really are. One PCA pastor wrote this, which I thought was so helpful, and what he was doing is showing the power of the Word of God to help us in this. The the only way to really, truly know yourself, to have these motives exposed, to, to, to have a piercing into what you're really like, what you're really thinking, what you really want, is the power of the Word of God. And that's what Hebrews 4.12 tells us, that the Word of God is living, 
active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. There it is. The Word of God piercing through the veil of self-deception, thinking I'm stronger than I am, thinking I'm basically a good person. I never get in bad trouble like that. No, the Word of God pierces through that. It cuts through that. It's living. It's active. Unleash it into your soul every day, beloved. Every day. Lest the hardness of sin grow to deceive you. Here's what one pastor, his name's Andy Silman, he pastors in Alabama, I believe he wrote in Covenant Magazine almost 20 years ago. I thought this was very helpful. God's word penetrates to the bottom of our defenses, deceptions, and self-made reality. It assesses our thoughts and intentions as to whether they are believing or unbelieving ones. God's word reveals to us whether or not we are trusting the promises of God or not. This is what I need help with in my life. I'm desperate for that. The word of God penetrates to the bottom of our lives, ripping the pleasant mask off the ugly face of sin. What a painful yet very gracious thing. What an incentive to fight for faith in God and the promises of his word. The only reason anybody sins is because at some level they're deceived. They start believing the lies of sin instead of the precious promises of the word of God. You're not as strong as you think you are. God is stronger than you know that he is. Bring your weaknesses to Jesus. He never despises them. He loves to come into weak, frail, broken, helpless hearts. He specializes in them. Don't let that keep you from Jesus. He welcomes the weak, the frail. He'll give you grace, abounding grace. Third place, the text is about places. The place Peter can't go. Jesus is very clear. Peter wants to die with Jesus. He says, where I go, you cannot follow me now. Why is that? Because the place Jesus will eventually go that Peter cannot go is the cross. Only Jesus can go to the cross to die for the cleansing Peter and all of us need. Peter actually will lay down his life for Jesus. History tells us that he was likely martyred by being crucified upside down. But he went to that place, ultimately, beloved, understanding Jesus' words, I have to lay my life down for you. Because our sin condemns us before a holy God. We are dirty. Jesus Christ only, not Peter, not Peter and Jesus, only Jesus Christ can take the condemnation for your sin and still be raised from the dead as a guarantee that was sufficient. Only the precious, pure, spotless blood of Jesus is sufficient to cleanse you and me of all the filth of the blood in our veins. Peter would later write in his First Epistle chapter 1, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like gold or silver from your feudal way of life inherited from your forefathers. You were redeemed with the precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Jesus. Peter can't go to the cross. You can't go to the cross. Translated, 
don't die apart from Jesus. He offers himself to all of us. We receive him by faith. We trust that magnificent promise. He promises, my blood is sufficient to cleanse you once and for all, to purify you. Saved by his grace and mercy. Finally, finally, the uh, final place, the place Peter will go. And I just want to focus on two aspects to this. First, a restored Peter will go to a place of wonderful service to his king. He will serve the Lord Jesus Christ by grace. This is on the heels of denying Jesus, being shamed in the midst of that, being restored by Jesus. Again, we'll look at John 21 next week, that restoration, that repentance. Jesus is saying, I am going to seek you, I am going to restore you, and I am going to use you. And more specifically, he told Peter, Satan is asking to sift you like wheat, but I will pray for you. There is one reason Peter is standing the next day believing in Jesus. It is the intercession of Jesus himself, overcoming all of the devil's attempts to destroy Peter and you. Jesus praying that you would not be lost. You, the gift his father is giving him. He will not lose you. He prays for you. Jesus would preserve Peter. Jesus would purify Peter. Jesus would empower Peter. And you have to wonder what, what framework, what mindset governed the way Peter did ministry. Well, maybe he got it from this very text from Jesus. A new commandment I give you that you love one another as I've loved you. In every situation, wouldn't Peter be going, is this love, these words, these thoughts, these actions, these refusal to act? Is this loving this person the way Jesus has loved me? There's the new standard. I relish the love of Jesus for me, and I love others with the same love. See, when I went to that baseball man at my son's game, I changed the standard I didn't pitch from 60 feet. I pitched from probably 45 feet. I wasn't very fair. There's a new standard, a glorious standard, and that is our hearts filled with the love of Jesus, wanting to love those that he loves with that same love. And the final place Peter will go is the presence of Jesus forever. Notice how Jesus makes this very sad prediction, you're going to deny me, and look, the gospel texts are clear. All the disciples said, we won't deny you, and all the disciples did. In God's economy, Peter is singled out in this instance. Peter's the one that went to the courtyard, you know, saw Jesus denied. They all denied him. And so what is Jesus sensing on the, on the heels of this? Well, we've just heard We've just heard Jesus tell Peter, you're going to deny me. We're realizing that's in our own hearts. The next thing out of Jesus' mouth is, don't be discouraged. Let not your hearts be troubled. The first part of chapter 14. Let not your hearts be troubled. 
I'm going to go prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. The passion of Jesus is to have his people with him forever. He'll see to it. He will pray for you. He will purify you. He will preserve you. He will empower you. He wants you there. And it's in light of that glory that Paul could write in Romans 8, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory to be revealed. The glory is the presence of God in Christ. That's paradise with no other place to go. Where else would we want to go? The glorious presence of Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. It's so often true we're in a worse place than we know because we're self-deceived. We're overconfident, self-assured. We're not as strong as we think we are. The place of strength is coming to you, weak, frail, helpless, needy, desperate, broken, and being welcomed into your loving arms where there is grace greater than our sin, grace purchased at your cross, grace that never ceases, grace upon grace. Thank you for loving the helpless. Thank you for the place you are preparing for us to enjoy you forever without sin, with pure hearts, serving you with purity of hands, enjoying your presence as we were meant to. Pour your spirit into our hearts to draw us to yourself, to know that you are far stronger than we know because we are far weaker than we know. Power, Lord, your power perfected in us as we acknowledge our profound weakness. Thank you for your love for the weak, for the helpless. In Jesus' name, amen.